And he says, uh, let's face it, as accountants, we are a very conservative business. There are clients who actually want to see us even when a phone call would suffice. As accountants, simply put, it's always a mistake to not go to the office. Uh, like, did you write this to be ironic? Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, we're back. Another week. Another week in 2019. And I, I heard we got some mail this week. Um, let me see. Not that drawer. Not that drawer. Not that drawer. Let me find it. Was it, was it physical mail? Was it oh, you know paper? what? I'm sorry. It was a, it was a, t- a Twitter message. Uh, oh, Tyler, gotcha. Tyler. Tyler, who is a listener of the show, Tyler Zollinger, uh, he has a prediction. He listened to our predictions episode. Oh, what is his prediction? So Tyler's prediction is that a lot of accountants are going to uh, retire this year. They're going to see 2019 as a great year to retire because they're going to say, oh, hell with lease accounting. I, I don't want to deal with the new tax law. I don't want to deal with apps or texting with millennials. So Tyler thinks they're just going to get out of the game. Like, like opt for an early retirement? But is, isn't the, the struggle going to be, are they just going to bail out and retire or... They want to move their firm, and if the firm's not in the cloud, it's going to be probably hard to sell their firm, or they're going to have to sell it for pennies on dollar, which means can they really retire? That's the problem. Oh, well, and maybe it'll happen this year, maybe it'll happen in a few years, but I think there is going to be a glut of people trying to sell their firms. It'd be I'd love to hear from somebody who specializes in accounting firm sales, like to know whether that that cost is uh, price is driving down for especially the firms that aren't tech savvy. I bet you it's going to be really low. I mean, you'll be able to sell your firm, but you're going to probably sell it for a lot less per client. But hey, so it's not good if you're trying to sell your firm these days, I suppose, if you haven't gotten new tech implemented. But uh, what about workers? Things are looking good for workers in 2019, right, David? According to Accounting Today, they uh, talked about the Robert Half and the 2019 uh, salary guide. And accounting salaries remain high in 2019. So why would you retire if your salary remains high? What's striking to me in this chart here is the, actually, it's quite a large range in salary as you move up from senior to manager to senior manager, especially in tax services. So senior managers, they make a low, the 25th percentile is like around 100K, and the 90th percentile is over 200K. So you're almost making twice as much from the bottom to the top. For that range of senior salary, yeah. For senior senior manager salaries, yeah. But it's even, um, if you... it's almost, is it double if you look at even like somebody who's new at a firm that's just up to one year? That's almost, I mean, we don't have the exact numbers, but I'm guessing that's at least 39, 40, 45%. I feel like it depends on the size of the firm too, right? So wait, what is the, what's the change this year? Like how much more are people making? So it looks like it's another $1,000 increase from 2018 for um, folks with like three years experience. And even people that are new professionals with just up to, you know, under a year experience, uh, it was a thousand dollar increase over last year. So last year was for 6,000 and this year it's for 7,000 base salaries. So, okay. I'm thinking about this. Like, is that really that great? Because, you know, what, if the average salary is 57,500, that's for people with one to three years of experience, a thousand dollar salary increase is only less than 2%. And what did minimum wage go up? Well, I mean, what did the cost of living go up, right? What's inflation right now? Usually, yeah, it's more. Actually, we're pretty close. I think we're, I know in some of the economic podcasts I listen to, I think we're we're almost at zero. Inflation's really, really steady right now. Who knows how long that'll last. 
No, no, 2018. Uh, the the I just did a Google search. Inflation in 2018 was 1.9 percent. Okay. So basically, so, these raises are only keeping up with inflation. So I'm calling I'm calling uh, bullshit on this article. Sorry, Accounting Today and Robert Half. I don't I don't buy it. There's, yeah, there's no uh, context in this. They're they're higher than they were last year, but they're not. Yeah. Well, the, I, okay. They're higher I'm than they you. were last year, but they should be if they're keeping up with uh, inflation, right, and the cost of living and all that stuff. This is the big question: is when are salaries really going to increase? If there is a talent shortage, which the figures say there's a talent shortage right now, we are we are, don't have enough CPAs. Why aren't salaries jumping as much? Maybe this is the the peak. Like maybe this is all as good as it's going to get. Speaking of salaries, there's one person who won't have to worry about her salary for a little while, and that is the accountant who is a contestant on The Bachelor this year. Like, is she the, the main person on The Bachelor? Well, no, no, it's it's The Bachelor. So, like, do you not watch this show? I don't watch this show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm not looking for you. I, I don't watch <laughs> it myself, but I'm I'm forced to be around it because my wife loves this show. It's like her favorite thing. Uh, so that, you know, it's like football for her, right? So um, Bachelor is new, is back on, I know, because now my Mondays are free. I have to find something to do to entertain myself. And a KPMG IT advisory associate uh, named Onyeka is one of the contestants. And uh, she's 24. She she graduated with her master's in accounting in May 2017 and joined um, KPMG in IT. She's been there as an associate since 2017 and interned with the firm while she was in college. She's a native of Manhattan, Kansas, and got her degree in accounting from Kansas State University. So... There we go. We got another another accountant on The Bachelor on a reality TV show. And this is not the first, apparently. Going Concern has a nice summary, a list of accountants who have been on reality TV shows, which I will post in the show notes along with this article. So um, if you, you know, a little bit of trivia there. No, that's, uh, if, cause I didn't know there was a list that has been uh, created at this point. <laughs> so it's very, very impressive. Well, you know, go, uh, maybe we could get her over to Cloud Accounting Podcast shirt while she's out there getting her reality on. So what else? What else is new, David? What else is news? Um, there's quick little uh, app uh, news, I guess, like follow up story. Um, remember we talked about Plaid two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anybody who didn't catch that episode, so Plaid essentially is a API company for developers to use, and they uh, they basically are an API for bank feeds. So if I'm building an app and I want to go get the bank feed data into my app, I would use a service like Plaid to go communicate with 20,000 banks. Mm-hmm. Well, I think two or three, three weeks ago, we talked about how they took on $300 million in, or $250 million uh, in venture funding. Well, they started spending some of it. So they just didn't, uh, they did not disclose the terms of their acquisition, but they actually acquired a competitor uh, this week. So the um, they're the way it's looking with the amount of money they have. And if they're starting to buy competitors, like Plaid's going to be the game in town, yeah. the only game. Well, or or, or it just means money. that there's too much VC money floating around right now and they didn't know what to do with it. So buying your competitor is pretty easy way to, to use that money, right? <laughs> well, if you don't use it, you can't get the next round of VC money. That's uh, how this game works. That's how it works. Hey, well, speaking of VC money, one of my favorite SaaS accounting companies just raised $60 million. It's called TaxJar. They do sales tax automation for small businesses. So think Avalara, think TaxJar, think 
Actually, those are the only two that I can think of right now. And Taxstar always really went for those small e-commerce sellers too. I think they were really mm-hmm. uh, super focused, hyper-focused. Yeah, very focused on uh, those online retailers and, and, and very focused on small businesses, right? As opposed to enterprise. One thing I've always liked about Taxstar is they are, they are a completely remote company. Everybody in the company works remotely. You just stole that from me. I was like, I'm going to Blake with something interesting about tax jar and you just stole it. Yeah. So, uh, hey, you know, this, this, I think that they've been profitable since 2016. Uh, and they did that off of a $2 million seed round. So, uh, you know, not a typical startup story where it's like, let's take millions and hundreds of millions of dollars and not ever make any money until the end. And what's also interesting, David, is that they weren't out there looking to raise money, at least according to this interview in VentureBeat. They were spotlighted by the South Dakota versus Wayfair ruling at the Supreme Court ruling that allows states to collect sales tax from sellers outside those states, which has turbocharged the whole industry of sales tax automation. Taxstar, I imagine, got some very favorable terms on the $60 million. Uh, it was a, a round from Insight Venture Partners, which also actually happens to be an investor in Flowcast, where I work. So welcome to the club, Taxjar. Yeah, I'm interested to see where, uh, what Taxjar does with this because I, I know there's some they have a loyal following. People like them. I remember I spoke to them in the past, but they never took those extra jumps to like get on all the app stores, right? And really, they, they don't really show up to the accounting conferences or they don't, you don't really don't. That's in our space. Taxjar exists, but they're, they're not out there. Um, but now we may see them everywhere we go now. Well, they got they, they got money to burn, tax- right? They can go spend it on booths at conferences. The tax jar party. Yeah, yes. I'm looking forward to the tax jar party. According to this story, uh, fueled by this new round of capital, tax jar is also launching a plus offering, which will essentially be a custom solution developed for bigger companies with more complex needs. Those plans will start at $2.99 per month, and it's launching today. Uh, well, as of the date of this article, which was uh, the 9th of January, they have close to 17,000 paying customers that include Dell, DoorDash, and Eventbrite. And uh, again, their main competitor is Avalara. So actually, it looks like they're going to be using this $60 million to go after some of, some of the bigger customers that are probably either using or would be a prospect of Avalara. Yeah, uh, congratulations to that team. As I mentioned, TaxJar has an all-remote workforce. They have about 60 employees. Since their start in 2013, they've grown to 60 employees. And I've got another article here about remote work. It's called Why the Virtual Office Doesn't Work for CPAs by Craig Smalley on Accounting Web, posted last week. And he says, uh, let's face it, as accountants, we are a very conservative business. There are clients who actually want to see us even when a phone call would suffice. And he says, uh, after a bunch of other stuff, as accountants, simply put, it's always a mistake to not go to the office. Uh, like, did he write this to be ironic? Oh no, no, I like this is this is a true belief. So I've been following Craig's uh, stories, uh, his posts. Um, he's a frequent columnist on Accounting Web, and I actually, you know, he's 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 a, he's a counter, he's a reactionary. I, well, I don't know if that's the correct word, but he likes to he likes to play devil's advocate. Uh, you know, should you go cloud? Well, not necessarily. Maybe you should uh, stay on your desktop software. Maybe you should stay in your office. So here's his argument. He actually, and this is why I respect him, because uh, he's actually tried it. He said that he used to work from home with a virtual office and he had staff all over the country, but he gave that up. He said that 
some of the problems include clients. They want to think of you at the office every day in a suit working on their taxes and other documents. They don't like to think of you at home with their confidential information where it is not secure. He says that when you're uh, working with remote employees, it's difficult to control what they do, right? I can control what I do in my home, but I can't control what my employees do in their home. So how do I know they're keeping client data secure? He also said that it made face-to-face appointments very, very difficult uh, because they weren't back-to-back. And so what he had to do is he would go into a virtual office. Uh, he would um, you know, rent space like at a what are these you know, places, co-working spaces or whatever, yeah. and go in and do meetings, which caused downtime for him because he didn't have an office. To, he had, a, had to move around when he didn't have client meetings. He said training was more difficult and all that stuff. So he gave that up. And you know what? Uh, I mean, these are legitimate concerns. Like, how do, we, how do you actually overcome all that? I mean, with technology, I mean, it's probably the, the number one answer. Um, there's tons of smaller solutions and different ways to go about this. But the interesting thing is that, that he... Did it kind of say when he tried this? No, he doesn't. Like a timeline? Yeah, because it's interesting that he he tried it and then he completely abandoned it, right? To the point where he's he's completely against mm-hmm. it. But every time we turn around, there's more stories of like people having more success and more um, fulfillment and it's it's the, what everybody wants to be doing. That, that's a good right? point. Maybe maybe Craig tried this five, ten years ago when it was not nearly as easy, right? Um for instance, now you can convince clients to use Zoom rather than coming to meet you in person. And there are ways to keep your customer information secure, even when your employees are working remotely, uh, which include virtual virtual desktops, right? Having them log in to a virtual desktop on Amazon cloud where they can't actually download anything, stuff like that. And training, you know, he was using Skype for business. I'm afraid... Sorry to say Skype for Business is crap. Terrible product. Shouldn't use it. I was just on a Skype for Business call yesterday for like two hours and the audio kept cutting out. I mean, come on. You know, it's it's terrible. Uh, Zoom, way better. And Craig, if you're listening, you should come on the show and defend your position. But, but he will have to do that remotely. He'll have to though. do that remotely. So that's probably off the table, I guess. Um, so, so it's talking about where people work at. There's an article I think you linked to me here somewhere about like where Americans move. In yeah, so I thought I thought this was interesting, right? Because if you know if remote work is becoming a bigger thing, and we can take our practices virtual and and work from anywhere, then why would we continue to live in certain places? People like to complain about where they live a lot. Where are they going? Is the question. So this is an article from the Tax Foundation. They do great articles, research on tax issues, and they uh, did some research to see where where are people going um, and where are they staying or where are they leaving from, where are they going to based on net migration from one state, uh, from each state. So um, if you have a score of less than 50%, that means that you have uh, a net outflow. And if you have a score over 50%, that means you have people coming in. And the top five states where people are moving to where they are going uh, is Vermont, Oregon, Idaho, Nevada, and Arizona. So, for example, uh, Vermont had 72.6% migration, and Oregon was 63.8%. Now, the places that people are leaving, uh, that includes places like New Jersey, Illinois, Connecticut, New York, and Kansas. So, one thing you might ask is, well, why are people leaving these places? Why are they going to these other places? And of course, Tax Foundation, because they have a tax focus, wanted to see if the tax regimes, uh, the, the business tax climates had anything to do with this. And 
there is some correlation. If you look at this chart on their site of the top 10 best business tax climates and the top 10 worst, you can see Oregon is in the top 10. It's number seven for taxes. Uh, another great one um, or a bad one would be New York. New York is almost at the bottom of the barrel. Interestingly, Vermont, which is where people are going, is number 41. So it's not exactly a, a great place in terms of taxes. But there must be a reason people are fleeing to Vermont. Uh, and New Jersey, which is uh, one of the top places people are leaving, is also the worst state in the country for taxes. Yeah, I think the big one to watch here is California. Num- number f- right? number 49 out of 50 for, for, ta- for tax business climates. tax climate. Yeah. And, and then they're number 39 as far as the... Uh, percentage of total moves, right? So they're they're definitely at the bottom of this. And historically speaking, I don't think that's been true for California, right? Like I have to have something tipped because I know there's a lot of, I think like zero moved to Denver, right? Or moved some of their office to Denver. Um, Expensify moved the majority of their office to Portland, Oregon. So like these companies are moving out of the Bay Area and moving to these other states. And now with things are remote, I mean, you could look at T-Sheets as an example, right? They built a Bay Area type startup in Boise, Idaho. Like, do you need to be in California to build tech companies? Do you, I mean, other than the movie industry, do you need in um, obviously the uh, farming industry that feeds most of the country? Do you need to run a business in California? Yeah, I mean, it used to be you, you would put up with the taxes here because you needed to be in the Bay Area or in LA to be a tech startup or to be in you know the film industry. But yeah, maybe that's not true anymore. And, and it's very clear, like there's a migration from California to those states. Adjacent to California. So, so what's the tie-in to cloud accounting? The tie-in is, well, you know, hopefully the, the net migration out of some of these states with bad business tax regimes will change their minds and, and convince them to, uh, to align their tax codes more with the low-tax jurisdictions or the ones that have simplified tax regimes, right? And uh, there won't be such a, a disparity between the 50 states. Uh, well, and hey, speaking of, of governments... Right. Well, because we are talking about taxes and taxes mean government. I've got a little bit of news about the California Board of Accountancy, which has just recently implemented online credit card payments. So they're only about I don't know, 20 years behind everybody else. But you can now renew your CPA license online and pay with a credit card. Good for you, California Board of Accountancy. Unfortunately, there is no news uh, about whether or not it will take less than two months to get a transcript or some, any anything you send to them processed because it's still like when I did this last year when I got my CPA license the re- one of the reasons it took so did you have to send them a check last year oh yeah like how yeah, did you I had to send this? checks in the mail and then I had to send transcripts in the mail and it would take them a month to even process the transcript from the mailroom to the filing unit. Yeah, which is what they call the people that process the, the licenses. And then it would take the filing unit a month to up to a month to process the transcript. So it could take two months to get a transcript added to your account and, and get your license. Well, they're starting to automate their process. They're, if they can take a credit card, that's kind of yeah, the Maybe in another it, right? 10 or 20 years, uh-huh. we'll have uh, the ability to process these requests online. And that, that kind of ties into that efficiency. I think you have another article you said about like businesses are now not taking any more cash because the taking credit cards and e-payments is just so much more efficient. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is great, right? Uh, so the California Board of Accountancy is finally starting to take credit cards as an option. Meanwhile, many small businesses in this country are actually not going to even take cash anymore. 
This is an article in the Wall Street Journal at the end of December called Your Cash is No Good Here, Literally. Many retailers, including Dry Bar and Sweetgreen, are banning paper money. And it's creating some awkward interactions for people who didn't bring a credit card. You know, one of the reasons for this is you don't have to worry about employees stealing out of the out of the um, cash drawer, right? That's a big... Yeah, we're being held up, right? We're like, being held, held up. up, yeah, exactly. I, 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 but even the cost, I know I, I've... There's a hotel, restaurant, bar, fairly a club, uh, hotel congress is just here. And it's big and they, they do a lot of cash. It's, yeah. it's a bar. And they have to have somebody basically for hours counting the cash to prepare to deposit mm-hmm. in the bank. Like if you had the credit card, you just, you'd have it just automate that process, shove it into the uh, in your point of sale, shove it into the accounting system, your deposit's going to happen, mm-hmm. you're done. Right? So there's, there's definitely, there's an expense to uh, taking cash. Now, Apparently, maybe it's tipping that it's cheaper to pay 2.5%, 3.5%, 4% merchant service fees than it is to pay somebody to handle the cash, I guess, is where we're at with this. And then you don't have to go make the deposit at the bank. Yeah, it's just so much so much less hassle. I actually remember that when I worked at Starbucks after college, there was a rule that you had to have two people in the store at closing for to basically to deal with the risk of a holdup, right? That that somebody always had to be out there guarding the cash in the register. Yeah, I remember working at the mall back in the day and you'd have to, two people would have to walk to go put the deposit into the deposit yeah. Yeah. box. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of time. Uh, there there have actually been, there was, there was a councilman in New York, New York City Councilman Richie Torres of the Bronx, recently proposed legislation that would prohibit retailers and restaurants from refusing cash, saying that it discriminates against the poor uh, and undocumented. And as much as I like being inclusive, I don't like that idea. I think that businesses should be allowed to to accept whatever form of payment they want to. What are your thoughts, David? I went up to um, for Christmas to go a four wheel drive trek to some smaller town in the mountains here in Arizona, and basically it was like there's the general store and then there's the barbecue pit bar right that everybody's at. They had a power issue or something, and they couldn't take credit cards. It was mm-hmm. cash only. Well, all of a sudden, you're really limited on what you can buy <laughs> from that business if you don't have enough cash with you, really, really yeah. quickly. Um, so, like, it, I don't know. Some part of me like feels like it's a little sad. It's the U.S. dollar, like the physical U.S. dollar. Like, is it really going to just go away? I mean, it could. Like the physical dollar it could. I don't know. Maybe we'll just like you have the hipsters bringing in their typewriters and stuff to. Starbucks, maybe people, the hipsters will, like, it'll be opting into cash here. <laughs> cash only. Well, well, maybe hipsters will save the dollar. There's our episode title. Well, David, I've got more to talk about, but I know you need to get on the road. And what are you, driving your kids around or something? Yeah, we have the basketball games or picking up from school, uh-huh. that kind of stuff. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that yet, not being the chauffeur. Uh, soon, well, soon I'm hoping enough. that by the time I have to be the chauffeur, I can just pop them in an automatic vehicle or self-driving car, you know, and they can go to their event. I would love to just jump in an Uber and try get driven home. I just, I would be on the CNN if I well, did no, that. So there is an <laughs> app now for parents uh, to have their kids picked up. Like it's like an Uber for kids and the drivers are all background checked and stuff. You should check it out. I, I mean, they have it, I think in, in, in only some areas. It's like LA. It's a California thing. <laughs> it's an LA, yeah, it's an LA it's parent true. thing. You know, we, we don't like spending time with our kids. Yeah. We're, ter- <laughs> we're awesome. terrible people. Perfect. Uh, awesome. I think that's it for this week. And then we will uh, connect again next week. So Blake, 
if people have any opinions, they want to get a hold of you, they want to tweet at you, they they are working remotely and they're like, this is awesome. How would they tweet to you? I'm at Blake T. Oliver. And how about you, David? Uh, I'm at David Leary. And you can also uh, like our Facebook page. We have a Cloud Accounting Podcast fan page. Yeah, just go search Cloud Accounting Podcast and you'll get notified of new episodes. And, and by the way, if you would like to receive the show notes automatically every time we publish an episode, you can go to my website, blakeoliver.com and click on the blue subscribe banner at the top. That'll get you on my email list uh, where um, I have an automation set up where uh, you get the show notes emailed out 10 a.m. every day following an episode. And that's super convenient because like, if you listen to a podcast and you're on your phone, you're driving in the car and the show notes are there, but then the podcast is over and then your podcast bar deletes the podcast. Now you've lost the show notes. So yeah, it's super convenient to get show notes emailed to you and in your inbox each week. I forgot to say the show notes. It's, it's We have every article with a little description and a link to the article. So we talk about it on the show. You can go read it later if you find it interesting. We should put a little secret article every week. Or if you don't like listening to us, you can just get the benefit of getting all the links without having to hear our commentary. Oh, and on that note, <laughs> we should shut it down. <laughs> I'll see you later, Blake. All right. Bye, David.